I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. I hope everyone's had a brilliant week here in Tenerife. It's blue skies, beautiful riding weather and in fact it was almost, I think it was about five days ago, I went to a brilliant classic car show in the north of Tenerife. Oh, They like their cars here, they are car and motorbike nuts here in Tenerife. A brilliant show, 124 cars, classic cars from the 1930s to 1970s. Blue skies, beautifully landscaped parks right in the heart in Tenerife's capital, Santa Cruz. What an amazing day and since then had lots of nice rides. It's just riding heaven out here. The weather's always brilliant. The roads are incredible. And I got some brilliant tips from a couple of locals about some really good, not obvious roads. They're actually the best riding roads on the island, but I've never been on it or even knew it existed. So I cannot wait to try that out. Okay, this episode, this week's episode is proudly brought to you by XL Moto, and this coincides with XL Moto's Black Friday sale. So, XL Moto has a one stop shop for all your motorcycle needs. There are two of my absolute favorite motorcycle maintenance tools currently on really good offers on the Black Friday, Friday sale. One of them is the ProWorks custom motorcycle lift and that's £45 reduced to £35. It works unbelievably well, ridiculously simple and £35 for a motorcycle ramp. Highly recommended and another one is a ProWorks tool set. One tool set, pretty much all the tools you'll ever need. So go and check XL Moto out if you're in the market for any motorcycle clothing tools or any servicing parts you could need. Now, I've, I've had so many interesting chats with bikers this week. I want to get through as many as possible. Uh, here's one. I'm going to start with this one, actually. This is uh, a message someone sent me just about 
different types of motorbikes and, and what type of bike you should be considering to enjoy. Uh, listen to this. So my thoughts are, if you're going to ride a motorcycle, then let it be fun. Get that sense of enjoyment and passion every time you ride. Is it sensible to ride a 2.7 meter monster? A twin bagger in the city? No. But do I enjoy my bike? 1000% yes. Do you know that's that's what it's about? Because it was, I think last week, I, I put the question out there, you know, what's more important, a sensible bike or a bike you really genuinely love and you desperately want to ride it every time? And I think that sums it up perfectly. It's a passionate purchase, a motorbike, and it should be something you're over the moon excited about to ride every time. And I'm going to move on from that to an Instagram post I did yesterday. Basically, just a few people have asked me. They said, Freddie, when are you going to upgrade the Bonneville? But I don't know if I can. I just love it so much. It makes me feel incredible every time I ride it. And I wanted to share a few people's thoughts on, you know, owning a bike when you know there are many, many more modern, better, in theory, versions. But you decide to stick to that bike. And I've got some brilliant insight. I'll share one of them right now. I'll just open it up. Right. Here we go. In fact, this is just a brilliant story in general I wanted to share. Someone replied to my story, uh, to my Instagram post, and they said, Freddie, I miss my old 1977 BMW R75-7. It it modded into a scrambler and I rode the hell out of it. I sold it to a buddy and he still has it. He's put on another 180,000, I think it's miles, I think this is an American, on the odometer and envisioned it several times over. He won't sell it back to me even though I've asked about a dozen times over the years. You know, there are so many better bikes, I'm sure, now than that BMW 75, but oh, they are so, so damn special. You know, these, they, they just gain a character. Whether it's a car or a motorbike, they all gain a character. Someone else said, is modern necessarily better? It's the feeling that a bike gives you that's more important than anything else. Uh, another person living, uh, living that Bonneville life here too, I agree with you about it being a forever bike. I had a 2000 Moto Guzzi Jackal V11 15 years ago and I adored it. Would have kept it too but totaled it instead. Now they're incredibly hard to find. Oh well, at least I've got the memories. I think that's kind of confirmed it, just reading all of those brilliantly insightful messages. There are a lot of people that feel the exact same as me. I know there are a lot of people also who a bit like a car or a bit like a car in the uk at least we we churn out the cars in the uk we often will switch our cars every two or three years and i know there are a lot of people who do the exact same with bikes and also there are a lot of bikers and i get this 100 percent, who just like changing bikes just like trying as many different bikes as possible and i do get that 100 percent. right okay let's see where i'm uh, oh this is a good one. this is a good one so, good morning, Freddie, someone wrote. Just listened to your latest podcast, and this is something I really wanted to highlight. I'm glad I didn't forget it this week, because I almost forgot it, I think, last week. This is important. Good morning, Freddie. Just listened to your latest podcast. The only downside to recommending classic bikes is the new high 
ethanol fuel which is e10 now i don't know if every country has this and if you don't i don't know if this is a sign of things to come but basically in the uk i think a couple of months ago we brought out e10 fuel high ethanol fuel it's meant to be more environmentally friendly but a lot of people have been saying that actually you end up using more of it so it kind of balances itself out and isn't that much more environmentally friendly plus the big issue here that i'll get to after reading this to you so i carry on the downside to recommending class uh, uh sorry the only downside to recommending classic bikes is the new high ethanol fuel e10 google it and it's devastating effects on older engines in the uk it destroys the carburetors and rubber parts in the fuel system and other parts within the engine very quickly this is probably why you're seeing so many of them that appear to be bargain prices right now just a thought, I, uh, I enjoy a podcast, listen to it on the way to work. This is a very interesting point. I went on a few different manufacturers' websites about this. Yamaha, for example, always a good yardstick because they do things properly. Yamaha says that, roughly speaking, all bikes built after 2006 will be E10 fuel compliant. If you buy a bike pre-2006, the chances are that this E10 fuel will damage your engine. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave people who own pre-2006 motorcycles? Well, at the moment, you can still buy E5 fuel, but it's now it now comes with a premium price tag. You have to pay more for that. And you also, you also have to hope that petrol stations are still stocking this E5. And for how long are they stocking it for? You can buy additives to put in your fuel. The only problem with that is a bit like when... It's. I came in at the very end of this. I still remember when leaded fuel was being sold, and I remember I thought this was the premium fuel, so I would be filling up my 1989 Nissan Sunny with leaded fuel, thinking, oh, well done, Fred, you're looking after your car, until someone said, Freddie, it, it's your car meant to be running on leaded fuel. And I said, no, no, it's not leaded, it's just premium. I embarrassed myself. I realised that I hadn't been buying premium fuel. I had mistaken the leaded fuel for premium. So anyway, I was running my Nissan Sunny on leaded fuel. It was totally fine. Maybe it was the cutoff. But basically, what I'm trying to say is that I remember when leaded fuel was around, and that's died out. You can't get that anywhere now. Will the same thing happen to E10, uh, E5, the, the normal fuel? Is that going to slowly die a death? Meaning you're going to have to take additives around with you every time you fill up the engine, which obviously it's not the end of the world, but it is hassle. It's, it's an extra bottle that you're going to have to carry around with you. So, word of warning there, if you do buy a 2006 or earlier motorbike, get ready. In the UK, don't get ready, it's here. But if you're in another country that hasn't bought it in yet, this could be a sign of things to come. And also, it's a very good point this person makes. Watch out for used pre-2006 motorcycles, because... There are now stories of the engines being destroyed, especially if they're carburetor engines. So I don't know how, but pay special attention. What does pay special attention mean? I've got absolutely no idea, but I just thought I'd give you a heads up and up because it's a really fair point. Right, I had a really interesting chat actually on YouTube. I posted a YouTube video about this classic car meet in Tenerife because I'm a petrol head. I like cars and bikes. And someone said, uh, basically, Freddie, disgusting disgusting including cars in your youtube channel um and i was curious actually so i said i i knew some people 
wouldn't like the fact that it was a car video. Um, and we just had a, a little chat. And I said to him, uh, this is really interesting because this person is 100% bike and never owned a car. And I said, so interesting. As a pure biker, what's your bike of choice? I've always been keen to know the perfect tool for the job if motorcycles are your only form of transport. And I thought I'd share this with you because it's it's kind of getting a bit of insight from a, a biker with huge experience, a 66-year-old biker with a wealth of experience. And I thought, thought I'd share his thoughts on the perfect tool for the job because I th- found it a really good response. Thank you for the reply, Freddie. I'm 66 years old now. I ride a Forza 300 all year in the UK and a Rebel 500 due to my weak joints. But in my time, I've owned over 20 bikes. A bike should put a smile on your face and make you want to ride it all the time. And that should be true whether the weather has been, uh, sorry, whether it's been my Learner 250cc or a 1000cc adventure bike or a 900cc cruiser. These and the vast majority of the bikes I've owned have all done that. I had as many great adventures on my 125cc in my early days as I did with my bigger bikes. It's taken my poor joints to discover that smaller, lighter bikes are more fun than heavier bikes that I've had. That's a great insight. It's a really, really good insight because for one i found it interesting he's been a biker all his life but his one of his two bikes of choice is a forza 300 that is the honda scooter maxi scooter type thing 300 cc so more than enough power but it's interesting that he's chosen that and i do get that you know a lot of the time monica says oh it would be great if we could get a vespa because i just want to be able to wear my dress jump on it and not worry about you know kind of what clothes i should wear and a forza 300 or similar it's absolute no nonsense riding i remember when i when i go to uh, to bali thailand in the winters with monica the 125 or 150 cc scooters rule the roads there and that's what we get we rented one out for three months it's about three four pounds a day maybe three pounds a day and i wouldn't want anything else i've tried the custom bikes out there but these scooters make sense every day they're incredibly fun just jump on jump off no messing about it is the type of bike that it's you don't even need to think about it you just jump on it and ride and I wouldn't have changed that 150cc scooter for any other motorcycle there. It did the job so well. And also he mentions the Rebel 500. Everyone, everyone raves about the Rebels, whether it's the, I think it's the 1100 or the 500s. I must try one of those. And also the fact that these smaller, lighter bikes, he wishes he'd have discovered earlier that, that, maybe he had discovered earlier, but basically, He loves the smaller, lighter bikes, and they're more fun than these bigger, heavy bikes. Really interesting. And I move on. Just getting through a couple more because I had so many interesting chats. These are, in fact, I've saved these on my phone. Let me see if I can find them without having too many awkward silences. Oh, this is a good one. Freddy. I agree with the other comment about bikes like the BMW 1250GS being too perfect. I feel something similar about this bike. 
things all just work too well and it, things all just work too well and it might be lacking some soul i'm going to get a second bike now that's a bit more quirky and has a bit more character i'll have the bmw in case it breaks down i would have loved the motor good cv7 they're amazing and full of character but a bit too small for me as i'm six foot three and they're smaller than they look in the pictures yeah they are they're small bikes. Um, I'm actually looking at the Fantic Caballero or Caballero Rally 500. You know, bikes are getting better and better. But what do we mean by better and better? They're getting more refined. They're getting more technological. They are smoother. They are, well, getting exactly like the modern cars are. Smoother and smoother and more and more refined. And yes, it does. I think it does mean they do lose a bit of character. So it's interesting that Someone owns the ultimate adventure bike, the big BMW, but looking for something not quite as perfect. Fascinating. Absolutely love that. Right. Let me just make sure I've done all the ones I wanted. I forgot a few last week and I don't want to do the same this week. Oh, one final one. This is about sat-navs. Let, let me just get this up. Okay. With regards to sat-navs, I bought a few. I bought a few sat-navs for motorbikes. Um in the last year and returned all of them. First, I tried the Beeline Moto. So if you don't know it, the Beeline Moto is this tiny little, oh, it's a really small little disc. It looks about, probably only about three times the size of a two pound coin and it sits very neatly on your handlebar. It does look very good. And I've always wondered how these are. Listen to this. First, I tried a Beeline Moto. It's hard to tell where you're going at times, uh, so you will get lost with it. It's a bit small to read. It totally drained my phone battery, so I had no phone or sat-nav. Plus, if you import a route and miss a turn, you can't continue to navigate. So uh, it won't continue to navigate you. So importing routes are useless. It's a nice idea, but poorly implemented. I then bought the flagship Garmin Zumo XT, returned it immediately as it was too hard to plan the routes, both on the computer and through the device. The TomTom has been very good desktop software. Uh, the TomTom has very good desktop software called MyDrive. It shows you what are the scenic routes and has options on how adventurous a route you want to take. The flagship TomTom is very old at this stage and no different from the mobile app. So I use the app instead. I've been using my phone mostly since then. That is a very, very important insight from someone who's tried lots of different sat-navs because I've only ever used my phone. And I always say my phone is the best. Just put it onto any motorcycle mount you use um, and just use Google Maps because nothing's better than Google Maps. And this uh, this listener kindly echoes my point actually on that. Although to be fair, he does say TomTom is very good. So do check out TomTom if you're looking for something else as well. And I move on. I move on to the Royal Enfield survey because as you know, once every week or two, I like to do a survey on different motorcycle brands and i'm going to actually create a page on my website for this so everyone can look and i'm also going to share the exact insight from people but let me give you the leaderboard so far i asked two questions to owners of different motorcycle brands the first question i ask would you describe your bike as reliable the second question i ask would you buy another and then i leave the floor open to people who want to share a bit of extra insight so the leaderboard. 
well, I tell you what, let me let me give you Royal Enfield results. Royal Enfield owners, would you describe your bike as reliable? 73% of Royal Enfield owners said yes, they would describe their motorbike as reliable. Would you buy another Royal Enfield? Yes, 67%. I actually thought that was okay because they come in at a superb price point. Secondly, on the would you buy another section, I guess it's not super surprisable. Surprisable? Surprising. What am I talking about? I guess it's not super surprising because the biggest engine they do is a 650. And there are a lot of people who want to get out there on a 650 or a lower powered bike, uh, A2 license compliant bike, like a 47 horsepower 650, and then move on from that. So I guess it's not surprising. It's not an insult necessarily to Royal Enfield. It's just the fact that people often do like the bigger bikes. Someone else actually gave a bit of extra insight and I'll share that in a second, but here is where it ranks. So top four from the four brands I've done so far, would you describe your bike as reliable? Most reliable, number one, Triumph, 89% of people said yes. Number two, Yamaha, 87%. Number three, Royal Enfield, 73% of people said they would uh, describe it as reliable and in fourth place they they really did do atrociously atrociously badly would you describe your bike as reliable ducati yes 53 percent second question would you buy another triumph yes 87 percent yamaha 84 percent royal enfield 67 percent ducati 52 percent of ducati owners said they would buy another ducati and let me give you a bit of extra, a bit of insight here. Uh, hi, Freddie. Okay, I've had my Royal Enfield Interceptor 650 for around four months now. Not had a single issue with it. Feel like the company has a bad reputation previously with bikes having electrical and rust issues. But from my short experience so far, you just need to look after it uh, and the bike will do you well. I acknowledge some components are not of exceptional quality, but then again, they are nearly 2.5 to 3K cheaper than Triumphs. They look great, sound great, have more than enough power for the road, despite people thinking 47 horsepower is not enough. I completely agree. They make excellent base for customization. Three, a warranty roadside assist assistance. I could go on and on and on. And then... Hi, Freddie. I've only just caught up uh, on my Instagram and was gutted to miss your poll in the Royal Enfield. And I currently have a Royal Enfield Classic 500 in Battle Green. I've had many different bikes and styles of bikes, including a Triumph Bonneville, exactly the same as yours. And I've never had a bike that A, draws as much attention from people when out and about, and B, has as much high level of owner satisfaction. Yes, motorway speeds are tiresome and build quality is industrial in areas, but that isn't what the, these bikes are about. They're about sunny evening, cruising, enjoying the world around you, trying to embrace a pace of life that was at, at a simpler time. I bought mine during lockdown as something to tinker with, and I've since uh, put on more miles on it over the past 18 months than I have with any other bike. You have just made me, you've, you've changed my mind. I'm going to do this as my bike of the week, custom the classic 500. I've ridden one of these. I've never been so happy while riding a bike as I was riding a Royal Enfield classic 500s through the Kent country lanes. It's a, a joyous, joyous 
thing riding one of these bikes it's just so glorious it's almost indescribable these bikes are only about i have to check i'll check right now if you're on podcast on the podcast but they're only about 5k new they're just beautiful and incredibly oh it's it's lucky to be alive type stuff riding one of these i really do mean it um let me just wrap up a few more I think oh I think actually this is a good one because this is uh this is an Indian um an Indian ride and it's good to get an Indian rider's perspective because it is an Indian company. Um here we go, let me find this right. Uh, current ones are the older ones were notoriously high maintenance. The older Royal Enfields are notoriously high maintenance. I'm talking about the cast iron ones. I've been riding since I was 13 years old. Uh, I've never had a stock bike. It's always been according to my taste. Um, yeah, basically just saying the older Royal Enfields. You know, they they were incredibly high maintenance, but these new ones, things have changed and people really, really like their Royal Enfields, they really do. I could go on and on and on, but that, that, that's enough insight from Royal Enfield because I want to do a couple of different bikes for the bike of the week. Right. Oh, this is actually interesting. Rwanda electric bikes. In Rwanda, the African country of Rwanda, there are 25,000 motorcycle taxis operating. And Rwanda want to within I think it's I think they said five years if I remember correctly something like five years they want to get rid of all of those and change them all over the entire fleet or the entire electric or the entire petrol motorcycle taxis make them all electric within the next few years it really is an ambitious plan uh, they're also partnering with uh, with a, a company or a number of companies who are going to have these battery exchange stations so you pull out the battery on your motorbike and just replace it with another battery so it's completely seamless going like you were to a petrol station give your battery there and then just take another one and it's Rwanda who are really championing this idea and and really really pushing it I know a lot of countries have electric yada 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 but it sounds like they are doing a really genuine push to electrify the motorcycle market over in Rwanda um, and it's it's brilliant I'm just looking at some of their bikes you know it's it's a fairly fairly basic looking electric bike it's not going to win any beauty awards but that's not, not what it's about it's about electrifying the the transport and getting these everyday riders something that's genuinely affordable because if you're a taxi driver motorcycle taxi rider in Rwanda you're not going to have 20,000 pounds to be spending on an electric bike you need something that's reliable rugged and good value and these look like they're going to do the trick because these are actually being built in Rwanda itself each motorbike has about 150 parts and it's assembled in Rwanda and I'm just reading through now yeah they're 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 opening up these not petrol stations but fueling stations and this is quite eye-opening I can't wait to see what happens with this this is probably how it needs to be you can clearly see the battery on the bottom of this bike it looks a bit like a Honda what one of those 125cc Hondas and you can clearly see the battery in a kind of stainless steel or aluminium and I can see the handle where you pull it out 
And this really probably is the only way, the only way for electric bikes to work. It really is, especially in the city. If you want a an electric bike with mass appeal, with mass appeal, I think the only way is batteries that you pull out. I think there are a few companies doing it now, but if you don't, if you don't have an electric bike where you can take the, the battery out and charge it either at home or you know exchange it at an exchange station if these ever take off, will they? I'm dubious if these battery switching stations will actually genuinely take off, especially in Europe. If I had to guess, I'd say no, they won't. I'd say the battery range is just going to have to be improved. But I think for motorbikes, the only way this will work is by being able to remove the electric motor because most look electric bikes for example there's a company i like it's called um rgnt swedish company make electric bikes but you can't take the battery out and it's a city bike and to be fair to them they market it as a city bike and that's great but it's not just that it's a city bike where you also have to own a house to be able to have the bike because you're going to need a driveway or a garage to be able to charge it overnight so it it won't appeal to people who live in flats and if it doesn't appeal to people who live in flats which is the majority of city populations your target audience is incredibly small you're targeting city dwellers who own a house who are motorcyclists that is probably not a gigantic target audience but if you can just somehow make it where you can take the the battery out and still make a good looking bike so you get home from work you just pull out the 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 battery carry it upstairs and charge it then just walk downstairs in the morning with the battery put it in the bike that that is the way you're going to get mass appeal to electric bikes i think i really think it's the only way unless you start getting the range up to about 3 or probably 3 or 400 miles in a range and you may say oh freddie come on normal petrol powered bikes only have a range of about 100 miles some of them yes but you don't have to spend 50 miles going around looking for charging stations and then wait half an hour or an hour and a half in some cases to actually charge the thing so i think the only way to do it you've got to get the range up to three to four hundred miles or it must be a removable battery otherwise it will never ever have mass appeal rant over rant over right two bikes of the day L let me do the first one i was going to do superb value bike often goes under the radar with the likes of the bonneville but i've said this before in a previous podcast honda cb 1100 and this bike has absolutely blown my mind on paper it's better than the bonneville in every single way i've got a black one here from 2015 so just six years old 1100 cc engine 89 horsepower a properly quick bike this this will keep up on the real roads with absolutely everything it looks superb it's a honda so it'll last forever it's 4750 pounds 4750 pounds for such an incredible bike with a full year's mot so it's got a full year test you're ready to go just had the oil filter changed and has been fully checked over nice flat seat absolute classic styling these will be like all of these are like all of the classic hondas single headlights naked beautifully retro styled this will be a future classic and this i think is underappreciated 
quite a lot at 4750 and it's coming from a dealer so if you're looking for a bike now we get we're in the season now where you get bargains have a look at the honda cb1100 because it is a beautiful machine and i i think it will, will compete with absolutely anything else you can't go wrong with that you cannot go wrong with it and let me find one more i want to add one more here because i wasn't planning on doing this but then when i see the royal enfield 500 just brings back all these brilliant memories for me right i need to change the engine size actually let's do that because it's going to be smaller than a 600 and it is i think it's bullet i said let's have a look at what you can get for a bullet i i'm going to be honest with you i'm a little bit scared off by this e10 fuel so i'm going to say that i i must have it 2009 or later just to make sure i cover my back here because i don't want to be carrying additives i know i always go back so sorry back and forth with buy a bike 2006 or after etc etc but i'm going to stick to 2009 onwards for this one and you can get a 2015 bullet beautiful bike flat seat twin seat looks like it's straight out of the 1950s 6,000 miles on the clock from superbike factory in macclesfield england it's from a proper dealer and it's 3,290 pounds 3,290 pounds for so much happiness and joy and this is why these bikes are so ridiculously brilliant this one's fuel injection it's efi and i would always go personally for efi i cannot be bothered with carbs it's got a kickstart what other bike has a kickstart which is just six years old oh it's a glorious looking thing it looks like it should be in world war ii or something it no, very few people would be able to tell the difference between this and a 1950s bike really does make me want one you know you're you're going to be looking at just take out a loan 3290 you're going to be looking at just 50 quid a month or something like that paying back on the bike like this over three years it's it's what biking should be it's what biking should be cheap no-nonsense transport i absolutely love it Okay, I'll end it there. How long have I been? 32 minutes. Not bad. Not bad. Thank you so much for sticking with me this week. Please do have a brilliant week all and happy riding. I'll see you in the next one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.